podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Yay! <laughs> Pod three three eight. Ooh, mm, indeed. Ooh. Uh, and Sorry, it, I was I was distracted by the picture behind James's James Endicott's left ear. Who's it? Who's that? Um, it's the Libertines. Who oh, is it? Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> lads, it's the penultimate pod. Before the season starts, and we get to talk yeah. about actual wow. matches. Yeah. Wow. Because fixtures have been confirmed. Before we talk about that and have questions from our listeners, and this week we're joined by f- football finance expert Kieran Maguire, uh, who Kevin knows very well, of course, from the excellent Price of Football podcast, to talk about Palace's accounts. Um, before we do any of that, let's do a shout out to a random patron. Great. Yay. This week's random patron is. Ian Barty. Hi, Ian. Hey, Ian, how are you doing? What a top man Ian is, and you can join our patron and get all the rewards that that entails at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. So in part one, I want to talk about actual fixtures, football fixtures. Oh, here. Kevin, our first fixture is that Bournemouth game that should have been played back in the middle of March. It's now set for June the 20th at 7.45 p.m., and it's going to be making history. Yeah. Because... Yeah, we, we, yeah. First game live on... First ever Premier League game live on the BBC. And also, as, as part of the pub quiz question, inevitably in 10 years' time, we were the first game on Amazon as well because we, we kicked off earlier than anybody else. So um, no doubt that will crop up in years, in years to come. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to see it actually said out loud that it, it will be coming back. Um, uh we we did the interview with Kieran just before we did this, so we've already spoken to, uh, to Kieran. I know this is going to blow people's minds in terms of <laughs> the time scale of things, but you know we did Kieran. the magic of podcast because <laughs> Kieran had to be somewhere else. I don't know why he's in lockdown, but he had to be. He's probably doing Preston's pod as well today. But uh, and he he was talking about he'd probably be a record uh, BBC viewing for a Premier League game because it's on uh, free to air, which would be. Interesting. Um, it's a shame. I think we're the last game of the of the fixtures, the first tranche of fixtures, which is a, a shame. Is I think if we were on earlier, with the the viewing figures would be much much higher. Mm. But I think there'll be a lot of interest. You know, on paper, it's not a glamorous. It's not a glamorous game, as as you know, as we said, it's the, the streets will empty for a little while. Of course, it will be like lockdowns happened again. But 
it's. I think there'll be a lot of interest in it. I think the BBC will certainly do a lot of PR around it. It's it's quite exciting. I mean, let's let's face it. The reason we're on is because it's the least attractive fixture of the the, the returning games. To be perfectly honest, I mean, I don't think the BBC would have put a bid in and said we we really <laughs> would rather not have Liverpool Man United. We've got a big Bournemouth <laughs> Palace following, but. But I, it is exciting, and in a way, it's going to be quite an honour to be the first the first live Premier League game ever on BBC. And and also, what's interesting, I've been looking at some of the tweets from Palace players. They really seem to be up for it. I mean, Patrick Van Arnold is in between taking on Katie Hopkins <laughs> and and roundly kicking her ass. He's been tweeting as well as some of the other players about how how up for it they are. They, it seems like they're fit and, and ready to go. And of course, you know, they're, they're professional footballers. They want to play football regardless of the circumstances. And, and I think because Bournemouth is such a small stadium, you, you probably notice the lack of atmosphere less than you would at, you would at other games. And, and hopefully the stats that are coming out of the Bundesliga where the away teams are tending to win more games than the, the home teams will come. Because it would be lovely if we could win that first game and genuinely relax about the rest of the season. I mean, we, we've got enough points to stay up already, probably, but it'll be lovely to reach that magical, it'll give us 42 points, and that would be, that means that we could really enjoy the strange circumstances with a with a little skip in our heart. Well, yeah, because James, <laughs> it is going to be weird circumstances. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's essentially a, a weekend midweek fixture schedule till the end of the season, sort of Saturday, yeah. Wednesday, or whenever <laughs> the games get moved for TV. Um, and Kevin's right, like, I'm sure the players are excited, I'm excited. Yeah, are you feeling excited. excited about it coming back? Because it is one of these weird things where we take football for granted a bit, don't we? Each season it's going to be there and then it's taken away again. So to have it back again, it's I'm, kind of a weird sensation. It's very odd because I was sort of like, oh, you know what? There's been no football. We've all been in our houses, hiding away from the world. And you kind of forget about what's going on out there. And you get into your own routines. You mm. do a little bit of work and this and that. And football, my only real link with football has been doing this every week. And it's been great <laughs> seeing you guys and chatting about it. But, you know, I'm not really, you know what? It's been quite nice having a break. But now the fixtures are there. I am so excited. I'm so excited. I just, I, I just, I don't want to see Wilf. Like yeah. tear it up. I want to see yeah. Wilf tear up. He, you know, that player is going to be so up for it. He's going to have seven, possibly seven, eight million people watching him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In this country, it's just, it's exciting to see Palace back. And it's, it's exciting also knowing that uh, we're, we're almost safe as well. We're almost safe. So there's no real danger. Um, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird watching it, being on Twitter as well and seeing all the other fans on Twitter yeah. Watch, oh, we're all watching the same game. We're, um, we're, none of us are really going to be together either. It's not like we're all going around to Ken's house or you're all coming to my house. Um, I'll be here with my son who lives here. So, well, he only moved in yesterday so he could watch the game on Saturday. So. He's a smart James, it's right what you say because I hadn't realised till recently how much of my time I, I wasted basically every half hour going on News Now or mm. Palace websites or BBC Sport, just constantly checking up, constantly checking Twitter feeds. And I, yeah, that aspect of it, I haven't, I haven't missed at all. The, no. the actual, the football and the talking bollocks about it, I've really, I've really mm. missed. Yeah, but, I but have actual, as well. But all that peripheral stuff, I haven't. Yeah, it hasn't bothered me a bit. The, 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 no. you know, not, not having transfer of windows to worry about. I mean, oh, obviously, that's, rubbish all that's that. been deferred, but it's it's just it, it's great. And it also, it, hopefully, it might 
teach Sky and BT a little bit of a lesson in terms of how many people. I want to see millions and millions of people watching it free to air, just so Sky yeah, and BT so realise yeah. how much they're denying people. Mm. And let's face it, there are millions of people who couldn't afford Sky and BT before this, and now there'll be millions of more who've had to had to you know, lose their subscriptions and won't mm. be able to afford it when it comes back. Yeah. So it, it it needs to be free to air. I'm glad they were sensible enough to put games free to air. I think Liverpool Everton's going to be on the BBC as well, which is really yeah. important because. You know that that's that's a game where traditionally Liverpool fans in Liverpool will try and get to a game under any circumstances. So, so that being yeah. on, and and also I think there's probably an element with the Bournemouth Palace game being on telly, which is great because there would have been. I think if it had been if it's a warm day, I think a thousand Palace fans would have probably gone down to Bournemouth anyway. Yeah, to, to go on, to yeah. go on the beach and to 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 get mm. a beer and just to be in the same town mm. as the game was on. So hopefully a, a few more of those will stay at home. Now and watch it on telly with Zoom with their mates or put a screen up in the garden where they can have yeah. six, ten, twenty-four, yeah. a giraffe. I'm not sure what the rules are at the moment. <laughs> but, you know, and, and also, you know, there's, there's been more encouraging news about the the, the R8 and the number of deaths. So it, it, you know, it might be that by the end of the season, in inverted commas, we we can have people around to watch the games. Well, and, and also, that for me, that would be, be the ultimate. Even if you could put a screen up in the Paulson's arms and we could watch over the wall, if I could just watch it with, with I mean, Zoom's great. Just to be able to have two mates, and it's like at least well, like you, I've got Ed, so that'd yeah. be great. But if you just got a couple of mates and a beer, that would that would make a real big difference psychologically. Yeah, definitely. Well, it, it looks like the the pubs may be opening again on the twenty second anyway, yeah, or absolutely. you know, pubs with gardens. Yeah. If they've got a garden, they could put a TV up in the garden. It's you know, it's I, I don't think it's any coincidence that the football season and the pubs opening within two days of each other. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Mm. Well, yeah, it, 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 it's strange, isn't it? The, the yeah, day weird. After, that, the, 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 the day after Andy Byrne in the Mirror of Manchester said there'll be social unrest if you try and lock Manchester down, and the rest of the country's not. Lo and behold, Matt Hancock said, "Oh no, the R8 came down last night in Manchester." Oh, yeah, but, but we, we learned yesterday not only were there no new deaths in London yesterday, there were no reported cases in London yesterday. So, you know, there is an argument that it will be safe to open pub gardens up and. If you know, mm. if anybody can, let's let's face it. If anybody can fix a screen up in the garden, it's Graham and Bever the porcelain. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be amazed. if they haven't got a secret tunnel in there anyway. To, you know, it, it'd be like not. It'd be like the entrance to Hogwarts and platform nine and three quarters. You just mm. tap the special brick and the thing you know, But but that would be that would be the ultimate. I mean, uh, yeah, I think football. I think it probably will be January before we can. Um, uh, my guess is Go back. there's talk that maybe the first round of the FA Cup, third round will be. That'll be when we can go back. That would be. That's only a rumor I have to say, but it, 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 just the ability to watch it with people will mm. be a huge psychological boost. I think. I think it is going to make yeah. us appreciate appreciate football and appreciate going to games and all those things that I certainly took for granted. I think. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the games themselves because, as Kevin says, James, uh, if we do beat Bournemouth, then we are pretty much safe and we can relax. Yeah. Are we on thirty nine points now? We won three on a spin, yeah. three one nils. Yeah. Yeah. Who scored against Newcastle? I couldn't remember who scored against Newcastle last night. Uh, PVA. I can't remember. Free kick. Oh, cool. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might, James, throw up the opportunity to maybe mix things a bit. There was an interview with Roy Hodgson on uh, Premier League Productions where he basically said, we're going to have to use some of the younger players in the squad. And I've had a question here from Pete Coombs, Hi, who Pete. says, with us having one of the... Hi, Hi Pete. With us having one of the oldest Hi. squads in the league, alongside the huge loss of predicted revenue and funds already committed to a new academy, 
Is our only real hope of some fresh new uh, young players in the first team promoting the kids from the under-23s? If so, who would you like to see playing in the remaining games? It sounds like this is almost, beat Bournemouth, it's almost the perfect opportunity to do that. Yeah, well, I if, yeah, I mean, if we beat Bournemouth, it's almost going to be like a pre-season for next season, isn't it? Mm, yes. but, I mean, I, I know there's a whole thing about the further up the league you get, you get more millions of pounds and there's mm. maybe one or two million, but I don't know, it feels like it could end up being a very open pre-season, the fact that we'll all be able to watch it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And mm. it'll actually mean something. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, would, I, I would love Roy to use some of the younger players. Of course, I think any Palace fan has got such a love for the academy and, and our youth system that we'd love to see some young players coming through. Whether it's yeah. going to happen or not, who knows? I, I, I hear suggestions that we may be blooding a couple of 27-year-olds. <laughs> 27 year olds yeah, as young as some of the younger players in the squad wow, be great. <clears throat> I think as well because they, they haven't decided yet I, I think they probably will go for the five substitute rule I mean I think there's a massive difference in the fitness levels of the under 23s mm. to, the, to the first team um, even in these circumstances but I, I mean, it couldn't be more ideal could it? you have to use five subs in the Bundesliga every game they have been using the five subs because of yeah. player fatigue so this is the opportunity to see to see some of our younger players come through, some of our you know, younger defenders in particular. Um, as for names, I don't, you know, unlike Rob, for example, who follows the under-23s yeah. as closely as he follows aeroplanes, um, he would, he'd, be the, he'd be the man to tell you. But, uh, well, not, I think the names, the names, obviously, we had Brandon Pierrick make his debut this season, yeah. and I think we'd like to see him play someone. And Tyreek Mitchell, who's the promising left-back yeah. who got injured, after pre-season, I think those are probably two names at the front of the queue that people would like to see given yeah. a chance. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, let's good. Before, Very good, Jim. Before we move on to part two, where we've got Kieran uh, talking about the accounts. Um, JD, can I just ask, why are you holding some hand sanitizer? I don't know. It's I worrying, just, isn't it? I just found it. It's really weird. Listen, safety first, okay? I just I found it here. Yeah, but you're holding it. <laughs> I just, I like you're to, just holding I like it. To, I'm a fiddler. I like to hold... Oh, that sounds weird. I like you're to, a fiddler? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Oh my days! <laughs> oh. You know when you say something and you instantly regret saying it. Um, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah, like, yeah. like, yes, yes. I'll do the pod. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I want to put that down and move on. Listen, before we move on to part two, do you remember last week uh, we had a question from Chris Layman, who was the editor of One More Point fanzine yeah. uh, who oh, yeah. was uh, at the time compiling a book of memories that book is now finished so I just wanted to let people know that that book is going to be available soon I think next week at some point we'll let people know uh, but I think Kevin that's going to be a very very interesting uh, look back into the early 90s and fanzine culture and uh, what was a very interesting time to be a Palestine and there'll be some people listening who will remember one more point which was the precursor to FYP actually in mm. a way so um I think people should definitely keep an eye out for that book when it comes out. Well, there was a couple because there was yeah, there was Eagle Eye, Palace Echo, Eagle and, Eye. Yeah, I... one more point, but um, I, it's going to be interesting for younger viewers as well to see how. Rob- I mean, by the time you started FYP, the standards of journalism were were high. I mean, you were trying to do a serious, uh, albeit you know slightly funny look but you but you you know you wanted to take a journalistic look and you wanted you were getting interviews with players and doing serious stuff whereas those those fanzines were much more robust in their approach to 
to football and to players that they didn't like, and to <laughs> club owners, to club, to club owners that they didn't oh, yeah, like, we and went to other, there and, as well. yeah. yeah, and to other and to other clubs that they, they they didn't like. So I think some younger people might be their eyebrows might raise a little bit at the level of some of the. I mean, it's all very childish, but very very funny. And it, it was it's like we were saying before. <laughs> This was this in a way it was our internet. I mean, it's not that long ago. Yeah, yeah. It, but it, but we, none of us had mobile phones or or the internet or any of that. So that that was our way. And I, you really, really looked forward to seeing a new issue. You you, you looked forward to turning the corner into the Homesdale Road and go, oh great, there's yeah. a new issue. Or there was a shop that, Jay, that Enders might remember in Charing Cross Road called Sports Pages. I remember it very well. Yeah, which which sold sports book, but also sold every fanzine of every yeah, club up and down the country. And yeah. they're only about. Five ten p. So if if you bought, you know, you'd buy the Swindon fanzine or the Grimsby fanzine, some of which were were really really good, and you'd, you'd you'd buy fanzines of clubs that didn't like us to see what they were saying. So that was it was it was the first time that football fans started to really communicate with yeah, each other yeah. and be and be slightly subversive because until then football fans had been just consumers. You turned up. Essentially, at five to three, you paid your money and you left at the end, and you had no way of knowing anything about how the club worked. You could probably write a letter, but no yeah. one would answer it. But there was there was no. But then suddenly, football fans started to ask questions and go, "Hang on a second, where's mm. the money going? Mm. Why haven't we bought this player? Yeah. Why is that manager still in the job?" And it it was genuinely quite an exciting time. So I'm really looking forward to that to that book. Yeah, it's called "Is That the yeah, Pro- it be good. It's called "Is That the Program," and uh, it's going to be <laughs> available via <laughs> Amazon. I think. Think. I might see if Chris can maybe give us a copy or two to give away. Um, buy a copy, type. Well, well, yeah, yeah, I would say buy a copy. I mean, also the, f- the forward of the book has been written by some guy called Jim Daly, so I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be. <laughs> anyway, Brilliant. moving on, we're going to move on to part. Uh, no, we'll keep people um, updated as to when it's available. Uh, right after the break, we've got our finance chat with Kieran Maguire. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. At the end of May, Palace released their accounts for the 2018-19 season. Uh, and as we know nothing about finances, we thought we'd get someone on who does to explain them. And who better than the star of the Price of Football podcast? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> uh, I nearly didn't do that, but I thought, you know what, I'll just do it. Um, Kieran Maguire is joining us. Kieran, how are you doing? I'm grand. Thanks very much for that introduction. I, I, I think you might just cause a divorce in the, uh, in the Price of Football <laughs> podcast environment there. <laughs> It just seemed like an opportunity too obvious to miss. Um, so, Kieran, before we go on to uh, the Palace accounts, and I'm going to read an article from The Athletic as well on that. Um, we were saying off air, 
busy time for you at the moment <laughs> with, uh, in the world of football. Lots of financial worries going on. Uh, well, not for me on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely coining it. <laughs> um, but yeah, certainly in football, with, with money not coming in for so many clubs, um, you've, you've got to question how everybody's going to survive. Uh, because fo- football, whilst it exists in a bubble to a certain extent, uh, it, it's part of the entertainment industry. It's part of the hospitality industry. And uh, yeah, there, there was talk yesterday of three and a half million people in that industry <clears> losing <throat> their jobs this year alone. So, so football cannot be exempt from that. Absolutely. And we should also as well point out that we're talking about the 2018-19 accounts, which obviously don't take into account COVID-19. And I'm sure in a year's time, when we're looking at the next set of accounts, there'll be some very different stories and pictures emerging from that. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit from this Athletic article. And I don't need to remind our listeners that the Athletic are a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Subscription-based website and app, completely ad-free. No ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can still get a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Now, this article, which was posted a few days ago, is called Palace Post £5.2 million Profit as they strive to be more sustainable. It's by Matt Woosnam and Matt Slater. And, uh, Kieran, it gives a sort of an overview of the accounts that Palace posted. I'm going to read one section here that I think is the main takeaway from the accounts, uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it as someone who knows more about it than I do. It says, The sale of Aaron Wambasaka last summer to Man United for a guaranteed £45 million, together with the relative control the club has exerted of late over an annual wage bill that has increased to £119 million since promotion in t- 2013, appears to leave the club well-placed to emerge from the downturn caused by the pandemic in relatively bullish shape. On the face of it, this is a set of accounts which would be broadly in line with a mid-table club, so Palace are more or less matching expectations. Last year, Palace posted a loss, I think, of £35 million. The sale of Aaron Wambasaka essentially seems to have changed that picture for Palace. Is, is that a fair assessment? Uh, yes, it is. And, and I think that the sale of Aaron Wambasaka was absolutely essential from Palace's financial point of view. Because if you, if you sort of you go behind the headline numbers, uh, the club the club lost a hundred thousand pounds a day for three hundred and sixty four days of the year. And then on the wow. last day of the year, they sold Aaron Wambasaka and they managed to, to wipe all of that out. Now, if they'd sold Wambasaka a week later, they would again have been publishing losses of around about 36 million quid for the year. And I think Steve Parrish himself had said that um, it was really essential from a financial fair play perspective, as much as anything else, that the deal had gone through uh, in June. Can I... Um just interject here on behalf of my assistant on the Price of Football podcast, <laughs> uh, who, who incidentally doesn't take any money for his public appearances, which annoys his wife, the Baroness, even more. As nightly as he never, <laughs> as he theoretically never in, he's not getting any money for it. Just to put those losses into context, that's not unusual in the Premier League. Is it losses of thirty-five million pound? It's a lot of Palace fans will have will have gasped at that, but that's not unusual, Kieran, is it? That figure? No, no. Um, uh, Tom Jones has said similar himself, <clears throat> and uh, if, you, if you take a look at some of the other clubs, uh, Chelsea. Tom Jones. It's Tom not Jones. unusual, is it? <laughs> which, which Tom Jones? The Tom Jones. The Tom yeah. Jones, really? Yeah, yeah. 
Top Welsh singer, Tom That's Jones. That's right, 80-year-old Tom Jones. Yeah. Love, oh, he's got it's nice to see he's got involved. Yeah. Loves football finance. Loves football finance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if you take a look at some of the other clubs in, in the Premier League, uh, you've got Chelsea and Everton, who, who both lost over 100 million last year. Um, and uh, overall, uh, the, the losses were over 300. So, so Palace are not alone. Um, it, it, it's a really tough gig surviving in football because un- unless you are one of the, the really minted clubs, and you've got the benefit of Champions League money coming in, um, then you start off the season. Realistically, there's a dozen clubs that start off each season with their main priority is that of avoiding relegation. And and in order to achieve that, you've got to invest. And and if you take a look at Palace's business model, um, it's that they do invest in the players in terms of both wages and transfer fees over the course of a few years. And and that that strategy has worked, but it, it, it works but without making a profit. Yeah, and I guess, you know, as much as fans don't like to see talent like Wan-Bissaka leave, in the grand picture, for a club like Palace, they have to be making a profit, especially when you get an offer like that from Man United, from players like that, to stay self-sustainable. But very much so. I mean, you, you, you look at it from a squad perspective. If if Wambasaka goes, who are we going to replace him with? Do we have a do we have an existing right back? Can we t- bring somebody in through the transfer window? Can we bring somebody in through the academy? And realistically, how many points is that going to cost us? And then you look at the the revenue coming in. Uh, looking looking at the deal, um, going through the accounts with uh, with a fine tooth comb, which is because I've got no life, that's all I do. Um, it, it's 45 million plus a further 5 million potentially could come in as well. So, okay, so going back to the accounts, what what other things jumped out at you? What are the other headlines from the accounts that sort of the layman like, like me would not be able to spot? Um, I, I think it's the, the, the reliance that, that Palace have on on TV income again, um, that they're not alone. If you take, you know, for want of a better phrase, the other fourteen uh, clubs, the vast majority of them are very dependent upon TV money. So, uh, you know, around about you know seventy five percent of Palace's income is coming in through TV. You've got clubs like uh, Bournemouth who are at practically ninety percent. It just shows that. Outside of that, uh, that that big club bubble, um, the, the clubs are, are really desperate to to keep on the right side of Sky and BT Sport, um, and I think that's why there's been so much flexibility shown in terms of the broadcasting of the matches for the rest of this season, because the the, the Premier League clubs such as Palace need need uh, BT and Sky, and Sky and BT need the Premier League clubs. So so the, the, the solution they've come up with for for 2019-20 makes sense for all concerned. Kieran, you and I have talked in general about the return of football and what it means for broadcasting revenue. But Bournemouth Palace is going to be the first ever live Premier League game shown on the BBC, which is a, a real—I mean, that's a real street emptier. That's going to be like lockdowns back in <laughs> full force again, isn't it? But in terms of Palace, will we will we be getting any extra money? From that, how does the BBC suddenly appearing in the broadcast deal work? Is that part of the original broadcast deal, or will, will we get money for it? How, and how much money will we be getting from now on to the end of the season? Right. The, the way that it works is, is under the original 
deal, the traditional deal, clubs get clubs um, are are guaranteed ten appearances a season, and anything in excess of that, um, which which goes through the the BT Sport and Sky normal channels, uh, gives you a further one million. So because this is on the BBC, the Palace won't be getting additional money for that. But I, I would imagine they'll be able to sell advertising um, at uh, at a premium rate because this is going to be the the biggest ever. Uh, Premier League TV audience in the history of the game. Um, I think the most, the highest one prior to that was Manchester United versus Manchester City a few weeks ago at around about 4.4 million. But because it's free to air, um, because it is the BBC, uh, this this will be setting a new record. So therefore, if you're if your Palace's commercial manager, you'll be going to advertisers and saying, "Look, guys, yeah, realistically, we're looking at a uh, an audience of seven or eight million here. Um, you know, many of them will be have disposable." income many of them who are doing nothing with their money apart from spending it on amazon um you know i think you ought to uh, increase the rates that you're going to pay so they won't get any additional money directly through the tv deal but they will be able to benefit indirectly through through selling uh, advertising space yeah the only flaw with that argument is the games at bournemouth Uh, our, our first our first game live is against Burnley, which I think is on BT fourteen, uh, about half past eight on a Thursday night. So less less money available, perhaps. Perhaps yes. <laughs> yeah. um, just before we move on to questions from our listeners uh, for you, Kieran, um, there's an interesting bit about Steve Parish and his salary, which has <laughs> increased apparently from one point five million to two point six million, which is a sixty six percent increase, but there's a note in the accounts that funds in excess of the basic salary are being reinvested into the academy. Is that sort of a standard thing for chairman that they do? Uh, no. No, I, I, I find this one a, a bit strange. I mean, is is the rate excessive by Premier League standards? No. Uh, I mean, Daniel Levy's on £7 million at uh, Spurs. You've got uh, Ed Woodward at Manchester United on around about three and a half um, at, at Old Trafford. So I think Steve Parrish is the third highest paid chief executive in in the Premier League. Um, But his his comments about giving the money back to the academy don't seem to make sense, given that Palace will have to pay national insurance and he will have to pay PAYE on that. So therefore, that's that's money which is being lost to the tax system. If they wanted more money going into the academy why don't they just go and reduce his salary by a million and, and commit to an extra one million pounds in the academy? So, so that, that just, that one seems very strange to me. Uh, you know, it's not for me to say whether he's worth it or not. It's for the club to decide and there's other directors involved. Um, and you know, it's, it's no more money than, you know, it's compared to the first team squad. It's actually less than the, you know, it's around about the average wage played for a first team player. So, um, it, it is. It's just a bit, bit, a bit weird. I mean, his salary. It was. It was seven hundred thousand pounds four years ago. Then two and a half million, and one point eight, and now two point nine. So it bounces around a bit from year to year. Uh, but my understanding is that he's got a flat salary, and there's a bonus element, which is presumably linked to profits and and where the club they finish in the table. Like like many other deals within football, it's it's all it's all incentivized. Yeah, interesting. It jumped out at me as well, that, but um, I guess we'll never know. Um, before we move on to questions, just just briefly, do the accounts paint the picture of a well-run club? Um, yeah, I, I think in terms of um, where you'd expect Palace to be, 
Um, th- I think they are seen as a development club. And provided they continue to develop players and are in a position to sell them on at profits, then then that model works. You know, if the years that they do sell players, they make a profit, and the years that they don't sell players, they make a loss. So if you go back a couple of years ago to uh, when they sold Balassi, you know, they made a profit that that, yeah. that year. In 2018, they didn't really sell any players, and they made quite a sizable loss. So there's a little bit of risk involved, um, but but there's yeah. If, if you're going to get involved in professional football, you, you're taking on risks all the time. Yeah, and uh, sorry again before we go into questions, my my understanding seems to be that we're spending a lot on wages, uh, and that seems to be one of the reasons that our the percentage of our income that goes out to wages god i'm trying to get technical here i know nothing about it is quite high isn't it relative to what uefa recommend is that right yeah uefa say that in to to have have a sort of to to be off their worry list you ought to be spending less than 70 pounds on wages for every 100 pounds that come in um and if you take a look at palace the last four years 79 78 78 77 you know it's 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 high-ish um compared to the championship where we've we've got clubs as high as 226 it's nothing to worry about so if if palace were in the championship they'd be in the top two or three clubs Mm. um in in the premier league they're you know they're they're at the bottom end of that particular scale um provided they carry on selling players uh, that's fine clearly in the post-covid economy that that's going to be more of a struggle because it's likely that the value of transfer fees is going to fall Okay, I do have a question about transfers, actually, that I'll try and dig out in a minute. Um, let's get into questions from our listeners. At Delirious Dave <laughs> says... Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Says, um, what does Kieran really think of Kevin? Winky face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I approached Kevin. Kevin. Kevin and I don't know each other you know, before any of this started. Um, I'll be honest, I, I approached Kevin on Twitter because I, I just used to like his work on Match of the Day 2 and I was a fan. And it was as simple as that. So, you know, hopefully he's not listening to this. Um, but uh, <laughs> Of course I'm listening to it. How many pods have we done? To, you know I'm listening to it. How would I not be listening to it? We were, we were, we didn't. He didn't even approach me. We were approached independently by this shady, mysterious northern producer who thought he could make money out of us. And, 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 well, we, and we don't both, make money out of it. So no, we don't. But both Kieran and I thought it was when Kieran said, "Well, we've had this idea for a football finance podcast." My response was, "Well, good luck with that. I'm sure it will go down very well for the two weeks it lasts and the twenty people who listen to it." But, uh, but, we, but Kieran and I, we're South London brothers. It's just that I've decided to support my local South London team. <laughs> and he, it, his parents banned him from supporting Millwall, which is where he's from. That's right. <laughs> uh, the pod is very good as well, by the way. And anyone listening to our pod needs to make sure you add Price of Football into your podcast <coughs> yes, app. It's, it's very good until we make a tiny mistake about Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern Munich oh, for weeks. Oh, just to be slaughtered. <laughs> Oh my God! There's there's a thing on uh, ACAS where you can donate money. We sent a tweet last week saying you can donate three pound if you want. No, everybody ignored that, but make one mistake about buying. Fucking hell! <laughs> they've donated. They've donated comments in their thousands. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Comment is free, as the garden used to say. Um, right, here's a question from Rune Hansen. Hi, Rune. Hello, Rune. Who says transfer business? How can how much can Palace afford to spend in the summer after the market and economy is affected so bad by the coronavirus? Great pod, keep it up. 
Well, well, that that will be determined by um, next season and whether that's going to take place behind closed doors, whether that's going to realistically be able to command a paying audience in terms of fans attending matches. Um, and we're operating in, you know, in, in uncertain times. Um, the latest that we have is that the transfer market or the transfer window is going to operate between August and October. Um, so that will give us a, a bit, bit of a, a broader piece of knowledge as to the return to football. Um, I, I think Palace won't be able to spend silly money. You know, they're not going to be able to do the same as the, the big six and probably Newcastle as well. Um, but lo- looking at uh, last season, um, you know, they, they, they had a net negative spend of 27 million. So, so that means they could probably reverse that that um and you know it's it's always the elephant in the room um you know it's, it's all very well saying buying players it, a lot will depend on whether they sell a player or not mm. Mm, and i think we know who that player is um just on transfers again robin say uh, has said given the expected change to a buyer's market this summer is this mm. the perfect time to rebuild the squad at a discounted cost we've had this question quite a lot each week is that is that going to be the case yes i mean if if palace have got money and, and there's no reason why they shouldn't have um then you're going to be in a relatively stronger position than your peer group yeah again we go back to the other 14 now we know that newcastle will be able to spend big assuming the takeover goes ahead um everton will because they are being funded from very strange places um but everybody else is is uh, struggling a wee bit so if palace have got they've still got the money which has come in from wambasaka because although he was sold last season they didn't receive the capital this season so that 45 million pounds uh. is sitting in a bank account in theory um so uh, it would be an opportunity, especially I think in the championship, to recruit you know good young players um, from there, because the, the the championship clubs on average are losing around about twenty five million pounds a season pre COVID. Um, COVID's going to make things far worse there. So although it, you, you might have been going to the likes of Brentford to getting some of the, you know, I think Ollie Watkins is is a really good player in, in the championship, for example, with, with Brentford. They would have been looking to sell him for 20 to 25 million. If they get half that um, in this summer's market, they'll, they'll do extremely well. So, I mean, I think what I am, you know, from what I've, you know, from what I've, 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 I'm in a road, there's two Palace fans that live down my road. So we do talk a lot of football, uh, socially distanced, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, they feel that the issue with Palace is that the squad is looking a little bit old um, mm-hmm. and fresh legs and younger legs um, are, are, the, are the way forward. Um, yeah, you're in a strong position. You've got, you got the, the overseas market, which Portugal is in desperate straits, Netherlands is in desperate straits and so on. Um, if, if they've done their scouting and they can find good you know, 22, 23-year-old players who've got some experience at playing in the top divisions in their respective leagues, they'll be able to pick them up for, for a bargain. Yeah, and I think with the news of Nathan Ferguson uh, potentially signing this summer, that sounds like that is a route Palace are uh, going down. Here's a question from Russell Levy. He says, my question to Kieran... No, my question would be, is Kieran able to afford any sort of insight into our American investors involved Mm. in the club? I know the whole thing is so secretive that the answer is probably no. And is it unusual for an investor to be so opaque? Also... 
Can I give him a big fanboy virtual fist bump? I'm a big fan of his and Kevin's work on their pod. So there you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think, Kieran, uh, that's an interesting question because it's one I was probably going to raise with you today. I think between them, Harris and Blitzer are worth $6 billion. So where does that compare to, say, the money that's coming into Newcastle or Chelsea? I Because mean, to us, $6 billion sounds like they're very, very wealthy club owners. Um, th- they are. Um, a, a lot will depend <coughs> upon what is the purpose of their ownership. If it is to flip the business, and my understanding, having at last last summer, I think it's uh, I think I'll probably now say this: I, I was approached to do a valuation of Palace on behalf of an overseas buyer. Um, oh, so, so okay. you know, they they threw me some numbers, and I had the accounts as well, um, and that didn't go ahead. But certainly, the, the discussion was that I think the American owners had decided that perhaps soccer wasn't for them um, they didn't feel that they had the the necessary knowledge they, they weren't they weren't invested emotionally in it um, yeah. and, and they weren't getting very much out of it uh, you know clearly Steve Parrish is, is a palace fan first and foremost who happens to also to be a successful businessman and he he reaps the rewards of you know you know seeing palace play every match seeing them you know seeing them get results and the, the Americans aren't aren't, aren't getting any joy out of that so i think they're looking for an escape route um i think steve parish might be looking for an escape route as well in in the sense of wanting to move the club on to somebody who does have more wealth where but i still think he'd like some form of involvement so the american investment is a strange one um they they were looking effectively to buy a x and sell for x plus X plus Y, you know, that, that was, and that's why they're successful. You know, they, they see opportunities. Palace was probably undervalued when they invested, when they went into it. Um, but I, I can't see them see I can't see them having a long-term interest. Um, and, and therefore where their future holds in, in a COVID environment is, is open to question. There are people looking at football clubs at present. That's all I can say. Um, because, you know, you, you get to hear things in the industry and everybody's mm. looking for a bargain um but to buy to buy a premier league club it, it's uh, you you're buying one of 20 franchises as far as the americans are concerned which the rest of the world tunes into that point about opaqueness though is, is well made kieran because in america american sport club owners across the across the range of sports and Harrison Blitz are apparently rumoured to be buying the New York Mets. But club owners in America are very, very open. They, they tend to talk to the press on a, on a daily basis. They tend to be open to fans. Whereas Harrison Blitzer have been the opposite of that. We've, we've heard very little from them about their ambitions, about their love for the club. So that's, I think that's an, an interesting point, that thing about the paintings. Is that, is that unusual as well in context of English football? Um, not really. If, if you talk to Arsenal fans and Stan Kroenke, you know, yeah. he's, he's known as Silent Stan for a reason. Um, John Henry at Liverpool, he's, he's seen when they're winning things. Um, yeah. and, and, and don't get me started on the Glazers. You know, the, the, uh, you know some of the Glazers, the family have never set foot at Old Trafford. I think one of the, one of the six children who now own the club is involved on a day-to-day basis, but the rest of them aren't. You look at Randy Lerner at Villa, Ellis Short at Sunderland. You know, you know American wealthy owners. They they didn't tend to get involved. They tended instead to delegate the the uh, communication between effectively the board and the fan base to somebody else. And of course, at Palace, you've got Steve Parish doing that. Uh, you know, at Manchester United. 
in theory it's Ed Woodward, but they've got a very yeah, they've got, they've got a very large uh, media department that do all of that role for that club. I think it actually paints a picture of when we had CPSC 2010 and the four guys and Steve in charge of that. That was kind of a golden era for us in terms of an ownership and, and openness, and, um, and we knew it wouldn't last forever. Last couple of questions then, uh, Kieran. Uh, really appreciate your time today. This is very interesting. Gary Jones... Okay. says the Palace owners have loaned the club money in the last couple of years. A, should fans be worried about this? B, are the owners charging interest on the loans like West Ham owners are doing or are they interest-free? Um, no, you shouldn't, shouldn't be worried. There's nothing wrong with that. We've all, yeah, we, we all, we all, we all got mortgages. So you know, is, is it any different to that? And, and if you want to um, e- expand a business, then you've got to fund it from somewhere. Now, you know, what, what's unusual about football clubs is that you're not going to get interest from the stock market because football clubs don't make profits as a rule. Um, banks, um, unless you are a blue chip club, Unless you can guarantee that you're not going to be relegated, Mm. banks won't lend to football clubs as a rule because they fear that if you get relegated, um, and I I did some work for a bank at one stage, whereby this club, which had been a Premier League club, got relegated. I went in, took a look and said, well, there's clearly problems here. There's cash hemorrhaging all the time time and, and he turned around and we had this meeting he said well I, I can't put the club into administration because half the fans will take who, who are my customers will take take their their custom elsewhere mm. out of spite um, and also yeah. I've got two kids who go to school in this city anyway I'm a fan of the club so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a, I've got a genuine problem you know because I'll, I'll get abuse um, or abuse even um, and things of that nature <laughs> so banks are reluctant to lend so therefore clubs tend to go to the owner for loans um the the initially interest was being charged on the loans but that has now ceased so you know there's people aren't making money out of these loans to palace which is a good thing if you if you take a look at gold and sullivan i think i worked out that uh, about 18 and a half million pounds they they've earned in interest lending money to uh to the club. Wow. but they've never taken penny in wages um you know as, as they claim themselves um mm. and then you've got karen karen braid the salary on top of that uh, when she's not doing The Apprentice and doing a column in, is it The Sun? Some sort of mm. newspaper. Which of I, I, I work in Liverpool, so it's not a newspaper we ever, we ever see yeah. in, in that mm. fair city. Um, so, yeah, there, there are plenty of owners. Even, even Mike Ashley, you know, the pantomime villain of the Premier League, he's, he's lent £111 million to Newcastle, doesn't charge him any interest. Uh, Kieran, I think the, the, the rumoured sum, and you know what football fans are like, they, they will pluck a figure out of the air, but the rumoured sum that they owe, that we owe the Americans is £35 million. That was the size of the loan. But presumably, if, if they the club was to be sold, it would be sold for more than enough to repay back that loan without us having to worry about oh, it. Oh, very much so. I mean, the, um, the, the asking price, realistically, is in the region of 200 to £220 million. And uh, that was pre-COVID, so there might be a slight discount on that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not aware of any interested parties in Palace at present, but you know, I'm, I don't talk to everybody, and certainly everybody doesn't speak to me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, the, the money, the money will be well covered by that. So, what would happen is that those 35 million pounds. I mean, in total, 
Paris, uh, sorry, Palace had borrowings of 83 million um, from from both the owners, and they had effectively borrowed against the uh, the TV monies. And I think they've done that again um, in the COVID world. But yeah, the, the the loans will be more than covered, and and then the rest of the money would go to the shareholders. Good. Uh, this is making me feel. This is making me feel good about things, Kieran. I'm glad you've come on to explain this. I, I don't feel too bad about the finances. Um, here's a question from Gareth Richards. Who says, uh, with the proposed improvements to Selhurst Park, how much will that help the match day revenue, etc.? And how are we really paying for the renovations? Love both pods. Keep up the good work. Gareth from California. Hey, thanks, Gareth. Well, oh, hey. Gareth. Hey, Gareth. <laughs> right. Well, Gareth, California, that is, that is a one cool place. I, I, I've taught at Stanford and uh, I just love love california so mm. fair play to him um yeah you, you say that but also you say the best night you've ever had was in scunthorpe so you know no, grimsby oh grimsby, grimsby, was grimsby. Nice now, <laughs> that's when i was offered the the line i've never done it with a cockney from one of the local ladies <laughs> oh <laughs> brilliant she, she was classy she she had... yeah she mean she, she was talking about looking at a spreadsheet i have to say um in terms of of broadcast income, uh, sorry, sorry. In terms of match day income, Palace are, you know, it's certainly in the bottom half of the table. Um, so if they want to to grow the club, if they, if they want to cement their position in the Premier League. Um, you, you can't get more TV money because that's organised centrally. Um, you you are restricted in terms of the stadium in its present form uh, for the prawn sandwich brigade. And and whilst we might mock them, uh, you know Bayern Munich make and, and that's Bayern Munich, not Bayer Leverkusen. Um, <laughs> Bayern Munich make as much money from the the five thousand hospitality uh, package, five thousand hospitality seats that they sell as for the sixty thousand regulars. Um, wow. So. You know, it, it is it is a, a way to increase money. Yeah, Palace are making around about ten million a season. You know, and West Ham are on twenty seven. But you look at Manchester United one hundred and ten, Arsenal ninety six, Spurs eighty two. Um, you know, there's a big gap to be filled, and uh, you know that that gap can can be filled if you have something more to offer um, a increased number of fans but also the fans who are prepared to pay more per per ticket which will be the hospitality package people in terms of funding um, it, it's always a challenge uh, how much of the funding is going to come internally from the owners we, we don't know um, if you're borrowing money you know the, the, the good thing at present is that you can borrow money at very cheap rates so Spurs are, aren't repaying their loans until 2039 they're paying interest wow. at two and a half percent. So, if it if it's an interest only loan, then then you you're more going more going to get sorry you are more than going to cover your interest costs from the additional match day income coming through 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 the turnstiles. Now, Kieran, you and I have discussed this particular issue privately, so I know your view. But I think Palace fans <laughs> might like to hear it because, unlike your Johnny Come Lately Tesco shirt wearing club down there on the south coast we are officially the oldest club in the football league and possibly in the world and therefore the universe is that something that steve parish could financially exploit is that something we would look to be encouraging tourists to come to the club maybe will will we see do you think the club being marketed as possibly the oldest club in the world around the world well they'd be foolish to not do that uh, given the you know the universal love for football, and also from a tourist perspective, the love for London. 
So, you know, if, if you've got a marketing department, and, and you know, I've, I've read some of the articles about Palace's marketing department, and I think they're very good. Their strategy is uh, their strategy is spot on um, for where the club is at present. It's something they, they ought to be trying to do to perhaps have a, a you know, if, it, if it was formed in 1861, well, 2021 would mark 150 years. So, you know, that the 150 year celebrations for next season, special shirts, special events. Um, it, it won't, it, it won't be a game changer in terms of the finances, but it is an opportunity, which I think the club would be foolish to miss. And, and I don't think they will miss the only sort of the, the, the only sand in the Vaseline as far as that's concerned is the fact that we're in a COVID uh, economic environment. Yeah. Did you say 150? If, if it's 18, oh, sorry, 160, 160. Yeah. You're one of the country's leading accountants. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> you, you can't just go around seasonally adjusting figures like, and stop using sand in the Vaseline as your go-to metaphor for that as well. It's, it's disturbing. <laughs> I never heard it before. Um, right, last question is from Graham Payne. And uh, Graham says, has Kieran purchased his £20 fan in, in the stand cutout so he's present at the Amex to see Brighton get relegated this season? <laughs> I have, and I've put Kevin's face on it. <laughs> Excellent. Money well spent. Um, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us. That's been genuinely really interesting. And thank you. I think it's the first time we've ever spoken about the accounts on the podcast and actually been able to make sense of it. My pleasure. Okay. Good yeah, and, uh, thank you. Stay safe, guys. Thanks, Brilliant. Kieran. See you tomorrow. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you, bro. Bye-bye. Cheers, Kieran. Thank you. Right, of course, if you visit theathletic.co.uk, of course, we started talking about the Athletic article for this part. Um, theathletic.co.uk forward slash FIP you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription after the break. Questions from our listeners. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey, well, there you go, Kevin. That was Kieran there giving. I think that's, as I said before, I think that's the first time we've talked about finances uh, and understood what everything meant. Yeah, I mean, when he, when he first tweeted that he'd seen, because there was a slight. I think we were the last, other than Newcastle, to publish accounts. Um, so I was already worried that there was something sinister about that, and he'd reassured me that wasn't the case. But when he when he he tweeted that he'd finally seen the palace, and and I can't explain to people how in what detail he goes through mm. accounts, Kieran. He's, he's a forensic accountant, so he he's trained to look for what he calls red flags. So obviously, my first question to him was, "Is, is there anything to worry about?" And his his answer was, "No, there's absolutely nothing yeah. to worry about." And there are there are things, as Kieran mentioned, about losing a hundred thousand pound a day, etc. That it. it you initially think, oh my God, we're we're going bust. But once he puts it into context and and tells you what's what's happening at other clubs and in other divisions, so he's it's reassuring to hear that somebody of his level, somebody that is used by potential buyers of clubs to to go through accounts, thinks that we're in 
a, a, a decent situation, basically. Yeah, and James, actually, you know, for for older Palace fans who have seen the club go through administration twice, I mean, obviously, yeah. Yeah. 2010 was only 10 years ago. It, it's a relief and refreshing for someone to talk about Palace club accounts and there'd be no, no red flags at all. No, no red flags. Yeah. And, you know, and it's nice to know that we, we're no different, really, to any other club in our position. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and when you hear things like that, it makes you realise how important your manager is and your players are, you know, because we're all on a roughly a level playing field financially. I know there's a few anomalies in there, the, the top six, as he called them in the, the, uh, the big team bubble or whatever he called it. But it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's good to know that we're all on a very similar financial playing field as much as anything else. Well, and also uh, if you, if you read the whole athletic article, which um, I won't. Want. No, no, yeah. I will. I will. I will. Sorry. I will. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's because I, I I've had this conversation with Kieran on another pod because Kieran uh, is sort of he went into the accounts of every Premier League club uh, after the 2008 crash, and basically so we were the only club that really really suffered from it. Uh, most football rode that crash out except us. But as the Athletic article pointed out, we were in so deep to Aguilo the hedge fund. The, the 2008, we couldn't survive it. We simply couldn't survive it. And you know, we're in a situation now where we can survive this yeah. current financial crisis. We can survive. Anyway, it's, it's interesting to hear that Kieran feels we are in a kind of holding pattern until other buyers come in. Um, I'm not sure if it's good or bad that there's no one circling, but I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced, as he is, that the club won't be sold to anybody it wants to make a quick profit and move on. Mm. So, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're not being flooded by interested parties because word is out that we will only be sold to responsible buyers, hopefully. Which is a very different picture to some Premier League clubs like Newcastle, well, I mean, for I mean, example. Which, I mean, Newcastle fans have got. I mean, you remember Enders years ago when there were rumours that the Gaddafi family were going to yeah. buy <laughs> Palace. Yes, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember which, that. Yeah. Which, which, which horrified a lot of us, but a lot of Palace fans were bemused as to why we were horrified. It's like, no, yeah. great, if it gets us in the Premier League well, and the Champions yeah, yeah. League, we'll take that. But there are Newcastle fans. There are man, I know quite a few Man City fans who are, you know, the, the Man City gay supporters group, very uneasy yeah. about the, the, the Middle East involvement yeah. in their club. It'll be the same at Newcastle. Yeah. It, it just makes you wonder how what they think of Mike Ashley, that the Saudi royal family are considered a safer bet than Mike Ashley <laughs> basically but yeah but there will, there will be Newcastle fans who, who are uneasy about it and yeah hopefully we're never put in that in that situation I agree I think there would be there would be serious opposition from Palace fans if that if that was the case um let's move on from our questions Enders I'll come to you first I'm yeah. gonna do my standard democratic uh question option 14. so pick me a number 14 straight in there. <laughs> You're assuming we've, got, uh, we're assuming we've got at least 14 questions, but thankfully well, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can always make it up, Jim. Uh, very true. Um, this oh, one's I, from can Joe I just say something, actually? I just had a, a text from a very good friend of mine, very excited. You said Coventry promoted. Oh. Uh, the so, oh, they have, league, they, they have the League One meeting. League One and League Two clubs vote to curtail season and hold playoffs. Yeah, it's all, it's all sorted. So, wow. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Coventry and Rotherham are getting championship bound. While Swindon Crew and Plymouth are up to League One, so there you go. It's all moving well, fast. Wow! Do you know what? Breaking that's news. Actually, that's actually really good news because on Price of Football last week, Kieran explained why it would be a disaster for the, those clubs in League One and Two to have to play football mm. behind closed yeah. doors, as they simply kind of. So that's. I mean, that's that's brilliant news financially, yeah. and yeah, the time to, the time to argue about whether or not your club should have gone up 
is after football's mm. safe and secure, basically. I mean, it's easier for us yeah. because we're support a mid-table team, as we've we've had this conversation before. But that's that's really good, yeah, news. good news. I'm pleased to hear that. So yeah, well, that's breaking live on air. Breaking, breaking live on air. Breaking, live on air. Yeah. Break, yeah. breaking news on the FA. The last time we had breaking news was when uh, Brighton drew Palace in the FA Cup. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, what a moment that wow. was live on the podcast. Right. Okay. Anyway, yeah, question sorry, fourteen. Sorry, it, fourteen. It's from Joe Harmon. Hi, Joe. And Joe says, what effect, if any, do you think playing in front of no one will have on certain Palace players? Will feed so much off the crowd, for example, will he be able to get himself as motivated without being constantly cheered or booed? On the flip side, might Benteke actually remember how to finish without the pressure of a live crowd watching him? And crucially, will Martin Kelly spend as much time making sure his hair looks just right? (laughs) Good question. It's a very good question, and... And, you know, the answer is we don't really know, do we? I mean, there'll be some players like Wilf that thrive on the crowd. But I think Wilf also thrives on other players trying to hack him down all the time. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's gonna be, it'll be weird for players. A lot of players have said it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. I don't know I'm going to do it. Um, but I think they're just going to have to adjust very, very quickly. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the bottom line. They're just going to have to adjust. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Of course it is. I've got nothing mm-hmm. else to say, really. It's just weird. It's weird. Well, I think Roy, Roy always talks about Wilf as one of the best trainers, and how he, you know, he tries all the tricks and the flicks in training uh, to to impress people. So it, perhaps, you know, it's, it's like G, Ender says, it's hard to tell whether they will. Mm. The first five minutes will probably feel like a training session, yeah. but watching the Bundesliga, it, it didn't take long for the Bundesliga to to really properly kick in. As like I said before, the bit after ten minutes when one of the players, Dortmund players, dived. In the first game, you think, yeah, great, they're back, they're really back in the swing of things. And <laughs> you can see now, they, they keep forgetting as well the social distancing, because when they're scoring goals now, they're, they're going to hug each other and, and then stepping back. So it's it's clearly starting to mean a, a lot to them, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think it will take a week or two for, for things to, teams to adjust and players to adjust. But I, I, interestingly, Ed and I had that discussion about Benteke the other night, that might, it, the, it might really lift a burden from his shoulders. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, right, Kevin, before I pick your number, I've got a question here I definitely want to read out uh, from Leif Anderson's forehead. Hi, uh, Leif. And it goes back to something I forgot to do this week, because he says, will the panel, in brackets, old gits, how dare you, uh, <laughs> sing Isolation this week? I forgot to say Isolation uh, part at the start of the pod. Isolation. 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 There we go. Good. Well, it, feel, it feels slightly less isolated now, doesn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How much longer can we keep doing that? Oh, well, JJ Enders and I will do it every day. Right, I go it. back in the in the house and and do it properly every time. <laughs> Good, you're so committed. I say back in the house. I'm I'm in the garage. I'm not outside. Just so I'm in the garage. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, give us a number. How many numbers have we got? One to forty. Oh, one to forty. We've got a lot, haven't mm. we? I'll have thirty-seven then. Thirty-seven. <laughs> it's from John Saraf. Hi, John. Hi, John. He says, what are the panel's thoughts on the club's options for unused tickets, e.g. Academy, Palace Foundation, refund? I thought it was the right set of options and a painless process. I agree. I think there were one or two people who felt, and this is purely anecdotal, this is just people who texted and tweeted me, there were one or two people who felt that they were being railroaded, not railroaded, but being led down the Academy or... Uh, foundation route and as a trustee of the foundation obviously we want the money but I, I think 
uh, I, I don't think that was deliberate, mm-hmm. and, and most clubs have couched it like that. But I think I would have been slightly happier if they said, "You're." In, of course, we understand that people are in difficult financial circumstances. You can have the money back, but there are also these options. Rather than saying there are three options, and having your money back is is one of them, because there's a couple of clubs, Partick Thistle, for example, in Scotland, who, who went out of their way to say that the first option is the most important. We understand people. Because yeah. if, you're, if you're a family that's got two or three season tickets, that's quite a, it's quite yeah. a significant amount of, amount of money yeah. to suddenly say, well, actually, no, we'll, we'll give it to the academy. But, you know, it, it, the first option should always be uh, that you take it back yourself without any guilt or... Or remorse, and it's like Sunderland, for example, who uh, the people that have bought season tickets already for next season, the club won't offer them refunds. Weren't going to offer them refunds, but we're going to offer them free passes yeah. to watch the games being streamed. But as people pointed out, if you've got, if you're a family with four season tickets, you can only watch one telly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so yeah. it's like you know, I, I think I think at this time clubs need to recognise that people. But I, I agree with the, the the question. I think they, the club more or less got it right. But I, I, I'm, I was sorry to hear that one or two people felt. That they were being not forced, but that we had to explain that no, of course you 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 take the money if you if you want to, whether you need it or not. But it, there are, there are these other options. Absolutely, James, and I think as well, it's really important that we don't make anyone feel guilty for Absolutely. taking no. the refund. As Kevin says, everyone is indifferent. I'm I'm taking the refund, you know, I'm, because yeah, I need I need it. So I don't think yeah. anyone should be made to feel guilty about that. I I I read the I read it and I didn't feel as though. I I felt it came across very fair. There are these options, yeah. and it's one of the. If you felt as though you're being railroaded to give it to the academy or, or the foundation, then unfortunately it may be worded slightly wrong. But no, I, I think it's fine. I think it's very very. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't know anybody who would begrudge anybody getting the money back at no. all. Not at all. No, agreed. Good, good. Um, right, one more question each then, uh, James. Give me a number. Uh, Thirty. 30 yeah. is from Chris Brown. Oh, hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Here we go. <laughs> this is an interesting one. If Obviously, it's 10 years since uh, 2010 took over the club. If things had gone very differently 10 years ago, what would the last decade have held for AFC Crystal Palace? <laughs> mm. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> it's one of those questions, is it? Sliding doors. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't really know. It's. I, I do remember that day. We were talking about this recently, weren't we? Obviously, it's been coming up a lot. I remember being in a cafe in Fasham in Kent on the day, on, on the day that I think you were probably up protesting in yeah. town. Yeah, and was I was down. Yeah. yeah, and I was down uh, with my kids down in Kent, we're on holiday, or we're away for the weekend, or sorry, I can't remember, and we're all sat in a cafe, and we're trying to work out whether we'd support Bromley or Dulwich Hamlet, or who we'd support <laughs> if um, Palace went down. Um, obviously, if they had gone, if they had gone, and a new club would have come out of it, as happened at Wimbledon, and as happened at other clubs like my beloved Halifax Town, the, exactly the same thing happened there. They got, there's a new mm. AFC Halifax. Yeah. So I think, you know, we, I, I would have ended up supporting that team, of course. Um, yeah, this, I, was, uh, I, had to, I had to work because I, I couldn't get out of it and I couldn't afford it. But I was writing if I got news for you and it's the worst morning's writing I ever mm. did because I was just wasn't there mentally. And then 
had to go into the toilet and cry for five minutes when the news came through. But perhaps to find out, you know, we, we modelled us winning the FA Cup <laughs> and, then, and then going on to Europe. Perhaps we could model what would have happened uh, yeah, if, we, <laughs> if, yes. if we'd become AFC Wimbledon. So we start on uh, Crystal Palace Park, yeah. <laughs> playing playing other Sunday league teams, and then we work we work it out from there. Brilliant. That, uh, I'm going to get Matt Buckland onto that. We'll yeah. see. What, yeah, what, what, maybe, think, yeah, maybe we'll I end think, up with, you know, a young Kevin Day and a young... Jim Daly in the team somehow. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have ended up, wouldn't, not me, no, <laughs> maybe. I think for, for, for very young, I mean, maybe people like Ed's age and Travis's age yeah. don't realise how close we were to, mm. to getting out. But the, the, one, the one consolation, because we were talking about Phoenix clubs and there, there was a, 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 a tiny tinge of excitement that if, if the worst was to happen... That we would have some fun going up through the leagues because yeah. I need to go. We'll, 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 we'll sweep through the first leagues. We'll be, we'll be taking five thousand people to a village green yeah, yeah. in farm <laughs> somewhere. You know I mean, and, I, and and clubs at that level would have loved it because they would have made more money than they ever made, and then we would have swept through. And because like, I remember, mate, I go, we're back in the Premier League in eight yeah, seasons. Of course, <laughs> but chances seasons. are we'd be. You know what I mean? so, there was that, but thank. I mean, thank God it didn't happen. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't bear thinking about, and it, it does bring us back to. Kieran's discussion earlier that we we are in quite a short space of time in a position to ride things out where we weren't we weren't before. It, it certainly gives you uh, added perspective on on everything. Also, we'd have had the biggest podcast in non-league football. Is that, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Always thinking Always think about yeah, yourself, hey Jim. <laughs> <laughs> right. Final question, then Kevin, go on, pick us number. I'll go for number two. Oh, good. Oh, yes. I'm glad you picked this one. Here we go. This is from Chris Chantry. Chris. Hi, Chris. He says, can the club afford to hire Kevin to redo the now factually incorrect centenary DVD of 2005 <laughs> and produce another backdated DVD for the 150-year anniversary nine years ago? It's got to be, it's got to be done. It's, I, they probably can now. It's still, I think it's still in my top three Palace moments when... Alan Ryan, who we all know used to run Palace TV, who he spent six months putting that DVD together. Uh, and he he did some research. He found family footage that his dad had taken from 1957 on a home movie video. He'd found he'd been in the archives to dig up stuff that nobody had seen on TV before. He'd tracked down old players, literally put his life on hold for six months. Uh, and we got a call. We'd been relegated, so we were at home to Luton. So no one was happy anyway. And the club phoned up and said, "I only I only got involved like the last." five days to do the voiceover so we got a little little present for you so and and alan generally thought well it might it's got to be a car it's got to be a car <laughs> I went, i'm going honey you're joking it's palace man it's like, and it's like i said it'll be a copy of the dvd and this the terry we're on the pitch and terry approaches us and i said it doesn't look like a car case and it was we got a copy of the dvd each other just went i've got two fucking thousand of them I don't, I don't need another one <laughs> so he was so he was so he was literally quivering, <laughs> hopping up and down with. And I was going, oh, thank you very much, Terry. It's really kind of you, you know, holding it, sharing it to all four sides of the ground. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but yes, we, maybe we should do. We should go back and do it. That'd be, that was, uh, yeah. I think, it, yeah, I think it needs to happen. God, I love that story. It's so palace. Um, good. Lads, that's the end of this week's podcast. We, we've covered a lot of ground today, haven't we? 
We have. Yeah, definitely. We have. It's a pleasure. Good stuff. Always a pleasure to see you guys. And uh, who knows, maybe we will get to watch a few games together at some point. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It would be good. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And we'll be talking about Palace's upcoming game against Bournemouth. Can't Yay. wait. In the meantime, stay safe. And we'll see you again soon. Podcast Network.